the only thing you care about. That's right. The Football Pod is back. If GAA is the only thing you care about, make sure you don't miss the return of the Football Pod. You just knew it was coming down the track. Subscribe to the Football Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And you're welcome to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. We hope you're doing okay around the country. Now, the Republic of Ireland under 21s drew 1 1 with Israel last night as they bid to qualify for the UEFA finals. How will the senior team get on against Scotland tonight? The Nations League encounter, the focus of Football Saturday. David Connolly will join me and Johnny Ward. We'll also check in with Dan McDonnell and Nathan Murphy in Glasgow. The theme of this week's Saturday panel is Ireland and Australian rules football hours after leashes Zach Tui and Kerry's Mark O'Connor won the Premiership with the Geelong Cats in the Grand Final in Melbourne. We'll be speaking to Cora Staunton in Adelaide, Mickey Quinn and Kieran Byrne at half one. The former world champion Nilo O'Toole is across the current World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic. We're chatting to him about 2.40 and we'll also check in with Dramona Castle and our reporter Ashley O'Reilly for the latest from the KPMG Women's Irish Open. 53106, the number, folks. For your texts, if you want to share your opinions with us when it comes to sport or if you have any questions for our guests during the show, you can also tweet us at Off the Ball. Don't forget as well, folks, you can get all of our content, interviews, videos, podcasts, breaking news and plenty more on the OTB Sports app. Download that now for free in the App Store or in the Play Store. Let's start off the show as always, as we do this time of the week with the news round. We're joined by Shane Hannan and Will O'Callaghan from OTB Sports. Afternoon, lads. Afternoon, John. Afternoon, John. Congratulations, Shane, or in order, I believe. You're the new presenter with Jer Gilroy of uh, OTBIM, our breakfast show. Mm, more Monaghan propaganda to follow. Every weekday morning. I'm going to try and maybe just get the word Monaghan in there, like a word sneak, at least once every day. It, it, it tends to come up quite naturally because obviously Vinnie Corey was confirmed as the new manager during the week. So I'll, uh, I'll try and find little ways to bring it up. Obviously big shoes to fill Owen Sheehan. Um, an absolute giant, in the, in the, not in the literal sense, but figuratively. Um, so yeah, a lot of pressure. Looking forward to it though, John, I have to say. So it's like Monaghan Shane Duffy and Monaghan Seamus Goldman this evening. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to get used. To, one thing is the early mornings. I know you're, you're quite used to the early 4:15 mornings. 15 so. starts for me, Shane, for well, News Talk Breakfast. Any advice on uh, how that is manageable oh, it's, for a it's, human? It's, it's, it's tricky and uh, it's difficult when you're watching matches late at night because you've got, obviously you've got to watch everything. Look, it's a very privileged job. But, um, Champions League nights, it must be a mare. Uh, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, um, well, obviously don't drink during the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the thing. Uh, Will you get any awfully references into the PM show and you've been presenting recently? Um, oh, it'll generally come up. I think like last night's show, Mick made the very fair point and we decided to uh, talk about the GEA and these proposals this weekend about potentially changing the minors. And the first thing that uh, Mick said was, you know, the GEA is never too far from the front of your mind, is it? So that's probably true. So yeah. I'd say probably subtly or unsubtly, uh, they will get thrown in there. Uh, for some reason, I tend to, unlike Shane, who gets to concentrate on Monaghan, <laughs> I tend to be stuck with the brush that is, ah, you're the Midlands correspondent. <laughs> the Midlands Talk guy. Talk to us about those four or five counties yeah, there and yeah, see yeah. where we go. King of the Midlands. Hmm. So, what have we got going on? Yeah, plenty going on. And a big, big night for the, for the Irish senior squad last night, or tonight. But uh, last night, of course, you mentioned it, John, the Irish under-21s playing out a one-all draw with Israel in the first leg of their European Championship playoff at Tallis Stadium. Idan Gorno netted the lead goal for the visitors shortly before half-time. But an Evan Ferguson header after the break brought the host level for Israel were reduced to 10 men following the dismissal of Stav Lemkin. The second leg takes place in Tel Aviv next Tuesday. The Republic of Ireland senior team, meanwhile, resumed their UEFA Nations League campaign this evening. They are in Glasgow for a meeting with current group leaders Scotland. Kickoff at Hampden Park is at 7.45pm this evening. Ireland, of course, won 3-0 when the sides met in Dublin in June. And boss Stephen Kenny is excited by the young players coming through. It's a new Ireland, it's a new Irish team, it's a new identity. It's, 
know, given over 16 players, their international de debut in eight, 18 months, style of play is what the Irish public are connecting with in a major way. And I think uh, right throughout the country, wherever we go, we're in a date with people who connect with this, this team now. The mixture of youth and experience. Who should he play then this evening? Do you know what? There's been, I guess, a lot of people agree, well, Bazunas in goals, that the, it's, the, the wing-backs are probably set in stone. You'd imagine it's going to be McLean on the left, Doherty on the right. Um, and then like you've got Nathan Collins and John Egan who are dead certs, probably. So it's, it's a matter of take your pick over Duffy, Coleman, Darrow Shea. Uh, I'd probably put Darrow Shea in there. Based I, think, on I, think, I think Darrow Shea will start to give a left footer over on that side of yeah. the defence unless he wanted to go with Seamus Coleman as the right centre-back and keep the experience there. I don't know how much you read into it, Nathan. I remember this last night that John Egan was up for media as opposed to Seamus Coleman. I mean, you think back to was the Bulgaria game where Seamus Coleman spoke and then didn't yeah. play. So like, there's no guarantee that that necessarily means he's not playing. But I would say on form and given the players who haven't been playing, unless he takes a punt and says, look, this is the body of work that we have from Seamus Coleman and from Duffy, that the three guys that Shane just mentioned will be your three centre-backs with O'Shea at the left side, Egan in the middle, and then Collins over to the right of the mm. three. Midfield, I think, is probably trickier to work out, really, because um, does Malumbi come in to start Hendrick. there, or is it going to be Hendrick? And then the shape of the forward line might dictate how many are towards the middle of midfield then. I'd agree with you. I think McLean definitely plays left wing back and right wing back would be Matt Doherty. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it's not Ogbeni on the right, Parrot on the left. And I think Obafemi will start through the middle. Yeah. Uh, notwithstanding the concerns that I think we'd have, Shane, over the fact that Ogbeni's played three minutes of football in September. <laughs> not great, is it? And no. then you look at someone like Scott Hogan who is banging in goals for Birmingham City. And that's where the big question comes in. Is it form or is it international pedigree? I, I, well, he said during the week that he was off the pace in the game in Poland because he... he he wasn't fit enough Hogan. for yeah for, yeah. Match, for for international match football at that time. But I think it might be in a different place now. For me, lads, I think you've got to be sharp to play in these games. Mm. And that's why I would be going for O'Shea. I'd be going for Ogbeni up with, uh, if you're going to play 3-5-2, up with Parrot up front. Mm -hmm. um, I, can't I should say, by the way, Josh Cullen definitely starts. That's the one yeah, 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 you're doing. Yeah. I, I do think he needs to pack the midfield because Scotland dominated the midfield against Ukraine during the week. Scotland will bring energy and vim and atmosphere this evening. We need to quieten that crowd at Hampden Park and we can't be sluggish out of, out of the gate. Yeah. I'm just looking here at the TV screen. Eva Casey and Margaret Kremen are at the moment uh, rowing in the lightweight women's double skulls final in the world championships we'll keep you up to date on them and the o O'Donovan and um, McCarthy crew that are in the water at 1.23 in the Czech Republic so that race ongoing um, Yeah the, the Scotland team is going to be interesting Kieran Tierney is uh, like uh, Tom English was on during the week and making the point that Kieran Tierney is by far and above Scotland's best player mm. Does he play tonight or do they have oh, one eye on Tuesday night against Ukraine? That was his point that I, do, I think he they, has to play yeah, has I was play. listening to that conversation yeah. but I think um, Scotland looked quite good with the four at the back this has become the ongoing thing you know what we've kind of had a little referendum about the way that Kenny has set up the team yeah. Scotland's done exactly the same since the Euros yeah. because understandably Steve Clark was trying to fit Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney into the one team mm. so therefore he went with three centre-backs with Tierney as the left of those centre-backs so that Robertson could play at left wing-back yeah. now because of Robertson's injury they were able to change shape midweek and I, I think looked a bit better because of it it's against Ukraine yeah. so they probably go with a flat-back four I, I think Tierney is the obvious player to play at left wing-back I know the game is important for them when they play against Ukraine midweek but if they lose against Ireland the Ukraine game doesn't yeah, have the same importance Scotland need to yeah. win both games realistically because yeah. you'd expect that Ukraine will win in Yerevan this afternoon Scott McTominay quite a defensive role with the Scots as well at times like it's like that's something you can target because yeah, I think position. Scotland's biggest issue has been scoring goals yeah. and um, 
Linden Dykes. Obviously, like if you did play Duffy, he'd be good for Linden Dykes because yeah. he's, he's a strong. Um, I think Linden Dykes will probably come off the bench yeah, again. It'll, I think be, a, be, it'll be Adams, won't it? Yeah, yeah, up front. But is that the argument for Duffy then ahead of Ireland Australia? fourth at the moment, fourth in that um, women's double skulls final. You've Eva done Casey the, and Margaret Kremen. You've done the live commentary of of the horse racing. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> I, I suppose at least I was prepared for that four runner yeah. race that. Um, I've never lived down. Probably the that. toughest sport. When people ask what's the toughest sport, obviously none of us really know until you've tried them all, but rowing has to be up there, you'd imagine. In terms of physical, brute strength. I thought you were to commentate on. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Oh, you're going to go. It's very technical. Uh, you got to have Sorry, a lot of no, knowledge no, no, and no. cruise. They're ahead. The other team are... Uh, the boats in second. The next boats in third. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can kind of tell by the... Great oars. Britain are leading this. <laughs> Ireland oars. are there, thereabouts. The oars have the flags on them, so you, just when the oars pop up above the water, you can kind of tell which uh, which country is which. Well, yeah, rowing is like an insane mix of stamina and power. Yeah, having to have one both. of the hardest things you could do, mm-hmm. and also having to be so coordinated when it comes to. We're, we're particularly good at the team events and the rowing. Yeah, like, uh, when I saw Finn McCarthy a few weeks ago about his, um, you know, his pairing with Paul O'Donovan and the fact that he was like a Paul O'Donovan fan before he even stepped into a boat <laughs> with him. It's quite remarkable because of the circumstance this year and Paul Donovan oh. is doing his exams in Dublin currently that they've been in the boat only three or four times this year and two of them have been in competitive regattas which yeah, is yeah. like remarkable what they're able to achieve as European champions are coming in as the favourites to win the world medal in a few minutes time and yet they get so little time in the boat together yeah. when being synchronised is so key when it comes to a skulls. Um, it's not just about the fact that you can row really well and row for a long time. They have to row pretty much perfectly uh-huh. or you are giving away a few seconds yeah. pretty much in every few strokes. Ireland are fourth now with that uh, into the last 500 metres of that women's double skulls final Aoife Casey and Margaret Kremen they've just slipped back a bit I'd be a bit worried for them now behind the French Great Britain are leading the race USA uh, second yeah it's um, it was close there at the 1500 metre mark it was yeah only metre behind but, yeah <coughs> they were thoroughly earlier on so I'd be a little bit worried for them now yeah stamina stamina is the issue just like, judge, like judging the fractions judging would you go too fast could you go do you, do you bide your time Generally, when I find O'Donovan and McCarthy, they've been watching them recently, they, they come with a huge surge towards the end of their races. Yeah, yeah. They're able to finish very strongly, you know. It's also one of those sports if you ever get to go to a regatta or possibly even, like, even if it's watching the Liffey and seeing Trinity against UCD, it's very difficult to actually pick up a lot of the tactics in a rowing race, I find, from TV because the TV angles can be ridiculously deceptive where they'll go out to a wide angle and then a close-up and you don't realise so much when a crew has made a move well, if you actually go to a regatta to watch rowing, you can see very clearly just the momentum and how teams are moving within it. So I, I feel for the TV commentators, as much as we're talking about how commentary is difficult. If you were doing this from Tube, it's very difficult to assess who has just sped up or the distances between when you mm. go back to a wide shot. So Yeah, uh, uh, we're not have one. Ireland are in the no, bronze position, are they? Are they? I think they are. They're going to be slightly outside, I think, are they? It's a tight it's third for Ireland. No, is it? Yeah. What's them the far side? So, I think uh, they've pipped in ahead of France. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, there's a remarkable turnaround in the Came last 500 yeah, yeah, metres yeah. if they did so. We'll, uh, get, so the we'll, full, we'll get the full confirmed result. Oh, there's the, Irish. the full SP. Yeah, yeah. Tricolour. Yeah, I think we got bronze there. So uh, Aoife Brilliant. Casey and Margaret Kremen in the lightweight women's double skulls final of the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic with Paula Donovan and Finch McCarthy about nine minutes away from their race for gold to the Olympic champions. Should mention as well, lads, from last night, England's World Cup preparations taking another blow, being relegated from the top tier of the uh, Nations League. A 1-0 defeat to Italy in Milan, meaning Gareth Southgate side will play in League B during the competition in 2024. England are without a win in their last five games and haven't scored in their last three while Northern Ireland hoping to end their 14-match winless run in the Nations League with victory over Kosovo at Windsor Park tonight. Three points would also ease their relegation fears with them currently joint bottom of their group with Cyprus. Kosovo were 3-2 winners when the teams met in the reverse fixture in June. Shane, do you know what the damning stat is? 
England and San Marino, the only two teams in the Nations League who haven't scored from open play. Well done. Margaret Kremen and Eva Casey confirmed bronze at the World Rowing Championships and the Czech Republic medals all round. Yeah, good achievement. Fair play to them. Um, yeah, and we get a bit of a, a I want to say, a, a, weird, a strange joy when you see England losing games. And, and it, I mean that in the nicest possible right What has gone wrong, though, with the quality of players they have? You what re- has gone you wrong? You reap what you sow. We were talking about this during the European Championships. England had the best squad at the European Championships last year mm. and managed to manufacture their way to the final by playing pretty horrific football and Gareth Southgate generally deploying <laughs> very defensive lineups. He's been playing three centre backs. Almost to an extent to cover for some of the players that he has, Maguire being one of them to cover for his lack of pace. And then he will deploy two stoppers in front when they've got some of the best creative players in Europe who are available. So it's no great surprise that they can't create chances from open play. Yeah. When you're playing Saka, one of the best wingers in the Premier League, at left wing back, back last yeah. night. Yeah. So Southgate has always, and he's tinkered around, I think, back to the Denmark game when he played effectively three right backs that day. He likes to put a bank of four to five defensive players in front of his, team, in front of his goalkeeper and therefore they have to leave out some of their creative players. Mm. I can't understand how Sancho is not part of the squad. I don't know why Jude Bellingham isn't allowed to play slightly further forward. There's no support for Harry Kane within that attack. And unless Gareth Southgate, there's no time left to do it, it was to say shed his defensive uh, first policy. Yeah. England are not going to be good enough to win the World Cup, despite the incredible squad they have. This game against Germany on uh, on Monday night has taken on a new significance now. Has it? Given they've been uh, relegated? For, for me, I, I think they still have, because it's a World Cup coming up, I think they still have to put out a strong team and work out a few things it's not a it's not a case of downing surely there are better defenders in England than Harry Maguire <laughs> have to be. He, but he won't play the form defenders so like Tamiri's playing really well in Milan but yet he can't get a look into mm. the team again it's a bit like you know, we argue about picking the form players like I understand say with Trent Alexander-Arnold Gary Lineker was making this point last night too that defensively he is a little bit suspect but what would Trent Alexander-Arnold potentially bring to the team from an attacking point of yeah. view. You could play Reese James in some games and play Trent in others. Mm-hmm. But yet he always goes for a defender like Walker or Trippier for solidity as opposed to going for players who will create a little bit further forward. And even in games where England are overwhelming favourites, and they are for quite a few games, I know in the Nations League this is a bit more difficult with the tough group they were in, but he will always play Declan Rice and another defensively minded midfielder there as opposed to trying to add an extra creator. They've got players like James Madison who's been you know, really good from an attacking point of view, can't get into the team, and they're restricted. Miguel Delaney was making this point too last night. If you decide that you're going to pick three centre-backs and you're going to pick a double pivot in front of them, straight away there's very few places left in the team for creative yes. players with England. Yeah. The, well, choosing Jared Bowen over Jadon Sancho was ridiculous. Well, Bowen's out of form at the moment. Yeah, and that's not because Sancho plays for United and Man United. Stone has said there must be better centre-halves than Harry Maguire. <laughs> and he's not playing at club level and he's not going to be playing at club level yeah. with Martinez and Varane in there. So, I don't know. Southgate is... He's going to lose the room quickly if, if results keep going like this. I think he's already lost the room. Yeah, like, yeah. and look, he has... A bit I wouldn't of, be surprised if he walked. Before, not before the World Cup. So close to the Surely. World Cup this time around. He's if credit it, in the bank, obviously, for it, what he like did. It's either win or bust now for England. Like It's the impossible job. It's always been the impossible job. And he's not making it easier for himself. Mm. Um, because the one time in the whole history of English football that they had a honeymoon was 2018 when everybody had just given up on them because of <laughs> yeah. so many ca- catastrophic failures like under Roy Hodgson and all these managers. Yeah. Capello and Sven. No, Sven. Sven, to be fair, had moments. But mm. uh, McLaren and that. But now it's, it's, the Emperor's got no clothes. He's been shown up for like a limited tactical manager that he is. I think the narrative is going to be the top end of international football at the moment is not great. 
So England should have every chance of having won the Euros last year and winning this World Cup. These are the players coming to fruition who won an under-17 World Cup with other quite good players that England already had beforehand. This is a group who've won. They've got a winning mentality already. And as Arsene Wenger would say, they're playing with the handbrake firmly on with the way that they play. And I think they look back on this as a, a massive regret. Like, with the exception of... Argentina. Would you not say if, the same thing about the golden generation as well? Lampard, Gerrard, yeah, yeah. Skulls, yeah, yeah, Rooney, There were good Owen. teams around at the time, in like 2006, 2002. Not good teams around at the moment? Not really, I mean... I think so. Brazil, I, Spain, Argentina. Nah. Other than maybe Argentina who are on this... France, Germany. Was it 46 game on beaten run? I think Argentina are on currently and won a major championship last year. Italy aren't even going to the Euros. <sighs> like there's question marks about all the other teams. This was a huge opportunity for England. That's why I think Brazil are going to walk this. Walk the World Cup. <laughs> it was first of all win the World Cup. As, it's walk as Erasmus Hoygo would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to talk about that as well. Ah, no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, I was because I, I got the text from you last night that obviously anyone listening to, to John's virtual insanity picks on OTBM during the week, virtual insanity's been on fire recently. And uh, Rasmus Hoygo, I mean, he had a six shot lead and now he's tied for the lead. <laughs> and he was he had an eight shot lead at one point, didn't he? Yeah. And now <laughs> he put his ball in the water three times in the second and bogeyed the par five third. He threw away six shots in three holes. A quintuple uh, bogey on the French Open. Now he's tied with Paul Barjon. <laughs> uh, I thought Jonathan Colwell would be brought into the picture there, but um, he, he he's tied for thirteenth at the moment. So yeah, but hopefully that's said the better. Speak about something else. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. The Evoke.ie Women's FAI Cup semi-finals are down for decision today. Shelburne take on Bohemians at Tolka Park from two o'clock. Then at half past four, holders Wexford Youths are away to Athlone Town. Uh, Clara Shine has announced her retirement from football, the 27-year-old, uh, most recently playing her football with Glasgow City, having previously lined out for Cork City. She spoke very bravely about her struggles with mental health in recent years. Sue Ronan gave Shine her senior international debut in a 3-0 win in the uh, Women's Euro 2017 qualifying defeat by Spain. That was in 2015 at Tallis Stadium. Uh, she has released a statement. I'll just give you that statement here. It's not too long. As athletes, we always have high standards and push ourselves to the limit every time we step out onto the pitch. I have given football everything I have for the last 22 years incredible highs but also intense lows throughout the last few years I've struggled both mentally and physically to reach the demands as a professional footballer and with that I've decided it's time for me to put myself first and step away from football my happiness and well-being needs to come first and I'm excited to begin the next chapter of my life I'd like to thank everyone who has played a part in my incredible journey as a footballer and who have supported me through the good and the bad I'm proud of everything I've achieved and I'm looking forward to new beginnings and setting new goals thank you for everything football with love Claire Shine so Best of luck to Claire in whatever she does next. Uh, a wonderful footballer as well and someone who's spoken out, as I said, very bravely. Uh, Finn Harps have the chance to move off the bottom of the SSE Artricity League Premier Division later. The Donegal Club playing host to Bohemians at Finn Park from four o'clock. At the same time, in the First Division, Longford Town host Treaty United. New Zealand have put one hand on the Rugby Championship trophy. The All Blacks have picked up a bonus point in registering a 40 points to 14 win over Australia at Eden Park. It means South Africa will need to defeat Argentina by at least 39 points in Durban later if the Springboks are to be crowned champions. Dan Sheehan scored four tries for Leinster last night as they beat Benetton in the United Rugby Championship. Leo Cullen's side were 42 points to 10 winners at the RDS. Ulster are in Wales for the first away match uh, in this season's URC this afternoon. Dan McFarlane's side taking on Scarlets. I'll just check the latest score for that one. That one got underway at uh, one o'clock. It's currently Scarlets nil. Ulster 14 uh, 16 minutes on the clock in that one Connacht meet the Stormers in South Africa that gets underway very shortly from half past one What a day for Zach Toohey and Mark O'Connor in Australia Incredible Kerry's Mark O'Connor and Leisha's Zach Toohey have followed in the footsteps of Ty Kennelly by becoming AFL Premiership Champions the Irish duo helping Geelong Cats to defeat Sydney Swans 133 points to 52 in this morning's final at the MCG Toohey was playing his 250th game in the AFL while O'Connor was a late replacement for the injured Max Holmes Now on the Saturday panel in a few minutes 
Christmas time. Cora Staunton, Mickey Quinn and Kieran Byrne will join us to talk about that game and Ireland and Australian rules. And as the King of the Midlands will, Zach Tui. Pretty awesome stuff. Great guy. First thing I'd say about Zach, uh, this has been a long time coming. It's the culmination of over a decade of a dream for him. bit different maybe to some who went out in the second wave to Australia where... There are many players who went out and their first interest was playing professional sport but always thought about coming home. Mm. In Zach's case, he wanted to be a success within the AFL. And it was only really towards the end of his time at Carlton, he said this during the week at the press conference too, that he really thought about the idea of leaving Australia without an AFL Premiership medal. And Geelong have been so good in the last three years particularly. Should have really won the championship two years ago but didn't in that pandemic-affected year of 2020 that Geelong were the best team in the league this year. They were top of the Premiership ladder, big favourites when they worked their way through the playoffs to get to this final two. I wouldn't say they were overwhelming favourites, but they were strong favourites going in against Sydney Swans. And they were so dominant. And Zach had a really good game. His distribution was excellent uh, during the game. But by the first quarter, the game was blown out of the water. It was one of the most dominant performances you will ever see in an AFL Premiership final. And it was great to see... Mark O'Connor come in because you know quietly well obviously all the talk is about Zach because he will go past Jim Stein's record unless he gets a horrific injury next season only 14 games away from doing so I don't think he'll ever win a Brownlow so we'll probably not get to Stein's level at an individual but he's now a Premiership champion just like O'Connor and like Ty Kennelly and it's like Zach has achieved so much that we maybe forget about Mark O'Connor to an extent. He's going to go over 100 AFL appearances. He's still only in his mid-20s. So since he's gone over from Kerry, he has done remarkably well too. And you never wish an injury on anyone. But when I saw that Max Holmes was out because it was talked during the week he wouldn't play, I was delighted to see that Mark O'Connor come in. In a very competitive part of the Geelong team, that kind of midfield and Ruckman area of the team. But for Zach, he's a very, very unusual story of that second wave too where... He had never got to senior level with Leash, but was a remarkable underage player. People probably remember the goal that he scored against Derry when he was still only 17 years of age. Was scouted at a very young age by Carlton, but was too young to sign at the time, so they had to wait till his 18th birthday. Went over for a trial, effectively because over 18, 19 years of age, leaves Port Leash to go to Melbourne, to a big city, in order to play Australian rules football. And he's now carved out a career for himself over the last 13, 14 years, working his way up through the VFL and becoming legitimately one of the best players in the AFL. This isn't a guy who's just got to 250 caps by middling. He was one of Carlton's best players. He was very annoyed with their contract offer in 2016. A trade was eventually found where he could go to Geelong. And he's been one of Geelong's best players over the last five years. So delighted for Zach. Delighted as well that he remembers his roots and that he was draped in a Port Leash flag Come on the town. Come on the town. town. Shout it back to the social media team in the AFL. which has been shared. Uh, Over 3 million people have seen it so far. So Port Leash could not have bought the publicity that Zach has brought. I think Zach is coming back home. I think the week after next is his plan. He's got his business in town already. I think he should be paraded out in front of the Leash County final. Port Leash have been joking earlier that they want to get him back in time to play against Port Arlington tomorrow. I think now he's such an asset for Geelong, he'll never be allowed to play in that battle of the ports. So even (laughs) if they get to the county final, they would have to upset Port Arlington tomorrow. I don't think Zach could be there in a playing capacity this time round but I think he should be definitely paraded before the Leash County final in a couple of weeks time to give him his due for everything that he's achieved it's the Australian Super Bowl isn't it mm. oh yeah completely. people were going in at 6am like they moved the start time back this year because the last few years it was a night now that was fantastic because we didn't have to go up till 8 or 9 o'clock to watch the final uh, I wasn't overly pleased when I heard the alarm going off at 5.15 this morning but they've gone back to their traditional mid-afternoon slot I couldn't believe it. A few people tweeted me when I was talking about the time. There were people going into the MCG at 6am as we were going to bed last night uh, to be there, what, eight hours before the match actually started? So this was a real feel of the AFL coming back into its normal time slot, full attendance again. 
and Geelong put in a performance for the ages. To score 133 points in the grand final is unbelievable. Well said. Well, now at the moment, Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy are going for gold in the lightweight men's double skulls final at the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic. They are uh, doing well so far, the Olympic champions. We know they won European gold and they're going for another world title. So let's see how they got on. Uh, they're in the lead at the moment. Uh, we come into four minutes through the race now. So, yeah, they're in the lead over the Swiss with the Italians uh, in third place at the moment. Keep you right up to date with that, Shane. Is Paul O'Donovan one of our greatest sports people? It's, it's probably hard to argue against it's, it. It's hard to get into d- debate like that right now. But, uh, <laughs> uh, John actually looks yes. at the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely right. One word answer, yes. Uh, yes, we'll keep an eye on the rowing, obviously, and uh, we'll get an update. They're well goal. ahead. It's looking good. Yeah, they're, geez, they're, power, they're power horses like the two We lads. take them for granted. This is the problem with both Fintan McCarthy and Paul. This Dunham. is a world championship. There will come a day when they lose one of these major regattas and we'll all go, no, oh, I can't believe they lost because now we just expect them to win. And you were talking to during the week. Oh, yeah, that'll be a gold. <laughs> Should mention cricket as well. The Irish women's team qualifying for next year's T20 World Cup. They beat Zimbabwe by four runs in Abu Dhabi to seal their place at the tournament in South Africa. Uh, and Gil Games, Kilmacud Croaks are the Dublin Senior Ladies Football Champions. For the first time, they beat Thomas Davis 2-9 to 12 points in last night's final at Parnell Park uh, some tennis as well emotional scenes uh, last night Roger Federer saying he enjoyed a special end to his career after playing his final professional match before retiring from tennis he ended up in tears along with great rival Rafa Nadal as they paired up in the doubles at the Lever Cup in London he was given a long ovation after walking off court following performance from Ellie Goulding Federer says it was some way to retire from the sport everybody's here the girls the boys my wife's been so supportive and She could have stopped me a long, long time ago, but she didn't. She kept me going. Oh, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to think of what Roger Federer there because I'm going to start crying myself here. I the- wasn't the better for a change. <laughs> I clicked a link, which I think was the Labour Cup one. So there was no forward sell that was particularly uh, trying to grab my attention. Like, you're not going to believe what Roger Federer said after his last match. <laughs> and I was not expecting Rafa to be in tears oh. once he saw... Roger burst out the waterworks first. Then Roger had to recompose himself to go back for his interview. Bear in mind, this was like quite about half one in the morning last night because that match went quite late. Yeah. Roger Federer is fighting back the tears for seven minutes. Effectively, a love letter to the game, to his family, to his parents who were there. And it was like he was getting stabbed with the emotion every single one. It was like, <laughs> oh, Roger, sorry to ask about your family, but there's your mum and dad right there. They're crying too. Yeah. Into the last few strides here. And world champions, Paul O'Donovan and Fintan McCarthy in the lightweight men's double skulls at the World Rowing Championships in the Czech Republic. Olympic champions, European champions, and again, world champions. Get in. What an achievement. What an achievement. I mean, the fact, like, the fact that we have someone in a sport who we expect to win a gold medal in the World Championships or in the Olympics. Like, it's no surprise. Um, like, we're just... We, we, literally, if they came second today, it would be a massive, massive shock. But they, they, did, they did dominantly. You're seeing the, the figures coming up there, strokes uh, strokes per second, and it's... Uh, strokes per minute. And and literally, the, the, they're just so much faster and so much better than every other... A good crowd of Irish fans there with the tricolours. Yeah, unbelievable. They, ne- they never looked in trouble at any point during no. that race. We were, so we were talking away, just kind of one eye on it, and you're just thinking... This isn't going to become a problem at any point. And look, it's a remarkable achievement to go into a year where it's not an Olympic year or not an Olympic qualifier year, and they still go and clean the European and world medals. And at a time, as I mentioned earlier, where Paul O'Donovan's eyes are on his education currently too, so he's not had maybe as much time in the boat as normal. Yeah. And Fintan McCarthy's been off in Italy and Spain training by himself, and yet they get back into the boat and the goal just happens. Italy second and Ukraine third in that race as well, so... Sheer dominance. Yeah, and Emily, uh, Emily Hegarty, Fiona Murta, Emer Lam and Africo are in the women's 4A final at about 20 to 2. 
Should mention some boxing as well. Lads, Eric Donovan bids to win a European title tonight. The 37-year-old going up against Khalil El Hadri in Belfast for the European Super Featherweight title. While racing continues, Atlas Stowell today from 1.40pm. There's also action at the dock from 5 o'clock this evening. Obviously, the big news in the week was Vinnie Corey confirmed <laughs> Monaghan manager for a three-year term. Uh, second, how did this get in the newsroom? This happened like three days. I know, but <laughs> well, give me my chance. This is this is my moment, our moment. Uh, Vinny's a good good lad. He actually talked. I texted him during the week. Congratulations! He's my former economics teacher at uh, St McCartan's College in Monaghan Town. So uh, a great man, and I know his, his brother Martin is is involved in the backroom team as well. Who's been in with uh, Mickey Graham's Cavan set up in the last few years. Uh, Dermot McCardle as well. Strimmer McCardle from Castleblaney is in the backroom team. A former Monaghan player and teammate of Vinny's. And, uh, saying, you can't beat having a good nickname on the backroom team. Yeah, like Strimmer McArdle. I mean, one of the great. Do you have any nicknames. sporting nicknames in your club? Or? Uh, Jesus, did, did I? Any? No, it was always. No, you don't Hanno. at the moment. Hannon or Hanno. Yeah, it was always very. Will, simple. do you have any? Mm, no, none that were uh, publicly used, I don't think. Okay. No. Well, obviously, my first name was just cut back down. Like, it was it was definitely Willie at times in school and Will then as we went along, but. Yeah. Uh, any for you, John? I was called Podge in school after the character in the den, so there you go. <laughs> well, at least you have a story behind yours. I have a cherubic face. Um, uh, Leona Maguire, to be fair to, has done brilliantly today. She's six under par through 16 holes of a round. Um, I think we can hear a bit from Ashley O'Reilly on this. It's day three here at Dromolan Castle for the KPMG Women's Irish Open. The rain is staying away, but there is a slight breeze, but nothing major, so hopefully it can stay like that for the remainder of the day. Leona Maguire teed off at 9.20am. She had a tough day yesterday, finishing three over par with a score of 75 for the day, leaving her 10 shots off the lead. She's currently on the 16th hole, three under par for the day. A really solid performance so far, hitting five birdies and one bogey. Four under in total and tied in 13th position. Currently it's Sweden's Moafoke, who is leading 12 under par after an impressive round two yesterday, making an eagle on the 18th. And in second position, it's Anne Van Dam from the Netherlands, 11 under par, one shot off the leader. And in third position, it's Clara Spilkova of the Czech Republic, two shots off the lead. The crowds are out in force once again here at Jermolan Castle for an exciting moving day. Plenty of excitement to come this afternoon. OK, thanks, Ashley. Goffin off the ball in association with the KPMG Women's Irish Open and Rasmus Hoigo and Paul Barjon shared the lead on 10 under at the uh, French Open. <laughs> Let's not talk about that, though. <laughs> Sorry, John. Well, he still has a chance to win it. Go on, Rasmus. So, Vinnie Corey, yeah. yeah. You're hopeful? Excited, excited. Uh, Clintibbert man. He's still playing, actually, for Clintibbert in the, in the senior championship. He's a clubmate of, of Conor McManus. Uh, they're in the, in the senior championship semi-final against, I think it's in a skein next weekend. So, he's still busy playing against some of the, the players whom he's going to manage uh, coming next year. He was on Banty's backroom when Banty was serving the, the touchline ban for the, the COVID breach. Vinny was wearing the banished doors bib for that for that period. So, um, yeah, he's... look. He's fresh to management. He's a new voice. He's someone who knows within the county. Gabriel Bannigan as well is a name on the backroom team who's a former manager of Kilmacud Croaks and St. Sylvester's, currently managing Anna Mullen in the Monaghan Senior Championship. Uh, the backroom team's not finalised. There's another couple of names to come in, but yeah, best of luck to them. Maybe Vinnie Corey is the man to bring Sam home and there'll be statues of Vinnie Corey all around Monaghan in the, in the coming years. That's my, that's my positive hope.